Hello, good morning, and welcome to the latest episode of NFL Only Better. We are looking at week eight with John Baff and with Mike Carlson. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, well, joining me. I don't know why I refer to myself as us. Um, John, I'm going to start yeah, you're with you. Jo- you. You're joining us. Let's you're, get this I'm straight. joining you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mike and I have been talking here for hours and Kieran just logs on. <laughs> I've got loads of stuff about last week. i got loads of stats. i got loads <laughs> of stuff about how it's a bloodbath for better. So we've got loads of stats about how this whole season so far has been tough for betting. But John, we got to start with Speaking you. Speaking of tough for betting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You're amazing. <laughs> Balls to the wall prophecy about the Cleveland Browns yes, being this and... greatest defense ever. Well, can well can I, I, before Mike jumps in here, you barely Kieran, beat me. Yeah, because because Kieran even uh, into into one of our WhatsApp groups on Sunday as the points as the the scoreboard continued to take over in the John, uh, in the John was, Indianapolis was the game. subject of some banter. Yeah, I was. Well, just so just to tee everyone up, I suppose, just so we're all on the same page. Uh, my best bet last weekend was the under in the Cleveland Indianapolis game, which from memory was about 37 5. It was, it was four, it was 40 actually. Oh, we got it, up there. Okay. Yeah. And this uh, would be a good moment just to review because Kieran has said it was a bloodbath for betters. And John has already mentioned he took the under in Cleveland. And you were very close. You only missed by one point with, <laughs> with Cleveland <laughs> and two points. What was the total? 70, 78. 78. 78. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. Um, no, you're yeah, right. 70, 70, 77. So you only yeah. missed by 37 points. A hair's breath. A hair's breath, that one. But, but yeah, Kieran, I do remember Kieran, saying... No, go on, sorry. Kieran, meanwhile, so that, that puts John at three and four on the season. Um, Kieran had the under in Vegas, Chicago, which which only missed by four and a half um, as, no as Chicago went for 30 points to everybody's surprise yeah, that was uh, with, with, with Tyson Badgett at uh, quarterback. And I had the under in Pittsburgh Rams, which I thought was going to be very um, difficult, but it was 43-5 and they scored 41 between themselves. And that's counting that horrible call, giving Kenny Pickett a first down on a fourth and one where he gained zero. Um, But anyway, that leaves all three of us at three and four in the season. So Kieran's bloodbath um, metaphor is is particularly accurate. It certainly extends to the the three of us on this show. But yeah, to to look at the uh, the, the game in Indianapolis last weekend, I think I'd said that... uh, and it had pretty. It had been. It had been hitting for a few weeks now. But the because the Cleveland defense is performing so well, and the offense is performing the opposite of well, uh, the under seems to be a good bet. And I remember actually saying the phrase. I think that I'm going to go with the Cleveland unders until proven otherwise. Well, <laughs> I was proven otherwise. <laughs> there, there was a game. Yeah, that the after after the Browns had gone through the first five games, conceding just basically 200 yards per game in you know sort of historic clip to start the season. They conceded 450 yards in that game. But at the same time, I will say that the game was won basically by the Cleveland defense, despite that. And not just the Cleveland defense as a whole. The game was basically won by Miles Garrett. Who, yeah, that's uh, that's the better way to put it. Yeah, he had four forced fumbles, a blocked field goal, uh, two sacks, about four quarterback pressures. Like, he's the, he, he, he's you know, the front runner, I would say, for the defensive player of the year up to this point of the season, at least anyway. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see if the, I, I can't imagine the Cleveland defense will concede quite as much as that. And nor do I really think that the offense can put that many points on the board again. So perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm walking straight into the same trap that I did last week, but I think that was an anomaly more so than the, uh, the new standard. John anomalies. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'd go along with you, John, except I, I think 
that Indianapolis lost that game more than oh, Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland won it. Um, and everybody's pointing to the end of the game with the two the two penalty calls, the hold, the defensive holding, and the um, the pass interference on a what was basically an uncatchable ball. Um, but I mean, I think the NFL has gotten away from uncatchable balls because so many times when you look at it, not in this case, but so many times when you look at it. Uh, an uncatchable ball might actually be a catchable ball if the defensive back weren't holding the receiver back, say. Um, But the thing with that play was I thought P.J. Walker's had fumbled. I thought that was a clear fumble, not an incomplete pass anyway. But that's that's not. But at the end of the first half, Indianapolis handed Cleveland 10 points, basically, in the last like two minutes or two and a half minutes of the first half. Um, Terrible clock management, terrible play calling. Uh, and that's what got the Browns back into the game. And if Steichen had, uh, I don't know what, what the word for it would be, had just considered the situation, mm-hmm. you know, and calmed himself down, it would might have been a bit harder for Cleveland to come back. But yeah. Yeah, I, their well, defense, Garrett, I agree with you. Garrett right now is the defensive player. Of the year. Yeah, it was great fun, I have to say. <laughs> it was an entertaining game. And the block I field just goal. Talk. Hold on now. You know, Let's just move away from Browns for a second. Oh come on! You know, right, Brian's corner. Because we got to talk how... about what what the blood batter was, right? And, and yeah, here's yeah, yeah. why I want to say blood bat, right? Because we've mentioned on this show before about the way betting is skewed towards this. The vast majority of people usually back the minus. That is just the way that people's minds work, and the vast majority of people also back the over. Between seventy and eighty percent of bets are usually placed around that, uh, and then it goes down depending on you know how much of the uh, of the handicap can be in terms of uh, numbers. Bills, right? <laughs> I want to see some of these. Bills minus seven and a half, loser. Bucks two and a half, loser. Raiders minus two and a half, losers. Packers minus one, loser. Rams minus three, loser. Browns minus three, loser. Lions plus three, loser. Seahawks, the only team that were kind of punted quite strongly who covered the spread. And they were bloody lucky to do it in the end. Um, Mike. Yeah. Well, you, you what had, a weekend. Like, I, I'll tell you, you had if you're four, sitting at home with a winning slip, fair feckin' play to you. You had four. You had four home dogs last week, um, which is was low for this for this season. Um, and three of them actually won outright: um, Chicago, New England, and the Giants. And but I look at the spreads, and I mean, New England was eight five when we had the show uh, last week, and I still wouldn't have gone near it. Um, even though you know Buffalo is not not that guy, I thought that was like the most Buffalo to win sort of on the money line was the most lock of the of of the week. But some of the some of the times now I'm looking at spreads that seem really small, uh, really undervaluing where where they should be, or or maybe overvaluing one team just because they're playing a team you know that's not so good. And I think we're seeing a bit of a swing this week away from that, you know, but. But even so, um, yeah, Carolina only getting getting three at home. Tennessee only getting two and a half at home. Green Bay only getting one and a half at home. Um, all seem to me like kind of optimistic and you know not very fair. Cleveland's getting three in Seattle, you know, which I think could be a little bit higher to be honest. Although Seattle's inconsistency is probably what the what the bookies are looking at. Uh but I think that's what you're going to see. We had the run of unders, you know, all but one game in week 6. Last week it was 6 6 overs, 7 unders. 
Exactamundo, um, yeah. And you're and you're seeing you're seeing the 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 totals going a little bit up, but the Jets Giants is 36-5 and Atlanta Tennessee is 37. You know, it, you want I mean, one more at your mic? Sure. NF, it's about underdogs. If you want to bet the dogs, you go low in the total. Underdogs in games with the total below 42 or 160 for 102 now. It's not bad. Over 60% of those matches. Yeah. 62.5, more or less. So, yeah, it's bet dogs in low total games, essentially, mm-hmm. is, is the way we're going to go. I'll let you think about that while you And that's the show for today. Stuff. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We've been sponsored by Betberry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, uh, let's let's sort of chat a bit about. We have other stuff we want to talk about. Let's pick it up as we go along. Besides the Browns, <laughs> besides the Browns and the fact that you should be backing low-scoring games, right. uh, unless John Balf tells you to. As yeah, the exactly. Unless it's a Cleveland game. I'm trying to. I'm, it's too bad if my, if Miles Garrett had played for the Patriots, the competition committee would have been meeting today to figure out a way to make what he did on the field goal block illegal. Because remember the the Patriots were doing it, and then they made it illegal to touch a player on the other team if you go if you try to jump over them. Mm -hmm. And Garrett Garrett looked like I I don't know, looked like the nineteen sixty decathlon. You know, (laughs) (laughs) he he cleared that by a mile. (laughs) And 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 Mike, it should be mentioned that was actually the Patriots' first home win this season, which. Well, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, it's only their second win of the year. So yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, and again, I, I thought that was a game where they, you know, they played their defense played well as they do with Buffalo. But um, and if Josh Allen weren't Josh Allen, you know, something's going on where he's he's overthrowing receivers constantly. I compared him on Monday to Eli Manning back in the. Plexico Barrest day, days when you know Barrest was six foot five and Manning would throw as if he were seven foot five. And, you know, um, but if if Josh Allen weren't Josh Allen, the Patriots would have sacked him twelve times. I mean, they had him trapped any number of times, hit, you know, and Josh Allen just bounces off it. He he is amazing in that sense. But but I, it's hard it's hard to figure out why. His passing has re- reverted back to kind of his first first couple of years. The easy answer is that Brian Dayball's not there, and you know Dayball was somehow coaching him to take better to take better choice, make better choices. Right, but but he made the right choices a number of times and simply missed receivers. Yeah, we 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 started this uh, when we came online, John. We 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 mentioned last week that we'd had a little chat about Justin Herbert, and I. I Mike brought it up uh, in our pre-show ramble, as I did like to describe it, <laughs> where we we asked about Kirk Cousins versus Justin Herbert. Uh, after seeing the last couple of weeks, Mike seemingly has changed his mind. John, if you had to choose right now uh, to have your starting NFL quarterback, say at the Browns, to be um, Justin Herbert or our, our friend of the show, Kirk Cousins, who would you choose? Well, it really kind of depends if you're thinking short term or long term. If you're looking to kind of fill a gap in the next few weeks, maybe Kirk Cousins is the is the playing the more functional football at the moment. But you can't look beyond if you were hypothetically getting a new franchise quarterback, you'd draft Justin Herbert in there, and you know, of I course, yeah. I I don't think that, you know we can't dance on his. Who's playing early. better right now? Probably Kirk Cousins. The well, Cousins. the Chargers as a whole. Are, well, you know the Vikings. I don't know. Chargers aren't playing well is, I guess, what, what the main point I want to make from this. And it's surprising how not well they're playing to me. That's what I'll say. 
Yeah, I mean, at some point we have to stop making excuses for the Chargers, or, or you know, and I we love- know who we are saying. Sorry, Mike, but we know what the everyone is saying. The problem with the Chargers is, and it's the head coach. Yeah, but you know, it all the head Her- coach isn't overthrowing because you mentioned overthrowing. That's what makes me think about it. Like Herbert has. Herbert is my fantasy quarterback, by the way, people out there. And I really enjoy watching him. (laughs) He has been for like three seasons. I think he's a really good quarterback. He really is. But he does have a tendency to kind of lob it a bit over that. He appears, appears, he's starting to appear. I mean, it's starting to to seem like a pattern of melting down in the second half of games. And I know that's unfair because they've had some close games. But I keep thinking about the Miami game where they were in a position to win that game. Um, now he doesn't have great support from the offensive line, but that's been the case every year. And they brought people in and they never find the answer. And the defense, which is supposed to be Brandon Staley's uh strong point, you know, they, they've got the two young geniuses coaching Staley on the defense and Kellen Moore on the offense. And that that doesn't seem, you know, to make make a whole lot of difference. But my point was not that. Herbert's better or worse than Kirk Cousins. My point is that we've automatically put Herbert into the top four quarterbacks when you're saying who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, and um, along along with Burrow and and um, Mahomes um, and and uh, Hurts and Lamar Jackson now has to be back in that category, and yeah. but that shows you how much it's dependent on the rest of the team around him and on the coaching that he gets, you know, all of a sudden the Ravens pass game is working and they're not running Lamar Jackson. He's scrambling for yards, but they're not running him. But my point with Herbert and cousins was that cousins has always been one of those guys who's on the cusp of being a top quarterback, uh, you know, sort of like bottom half of the top 10, you know, or, or maybe in the eight through 12 kind of thing. But he's, th- he's had his two best games this year. Um, against Philadelphia and San Francisco. He's thrown for like 850 yards, only one interception. Uh, and at some point, you have to, you, you know, you have to say, um, is Herbert's actual position in the not automatic top four, but maybe maybe one of those guys in the middle of the top 10 who's really got to move forward? Um, okay. Uh, one last question before we do books, Bills. Do we feel... The tush push will get the chop chop. <laughs> That's a good way of working. You know, it's funny. Someone put up a, a thing about they showed a picture of the earliest film of football at Yale Harvard, I think, in 1903. Um, and the game you and, attended. And the play, yeah, it was good. <laughs> only a, only five cents to get in. Um, the um, and the play they ran is basically just a giant tush push. <laughs> but I, I pointed out to these people that in 1904, 19 people died playing American football. And in 1905, Teddy Roosevelt, who was the president, brought people from Yale, Harvard and Princeton up to the White House and said, you've got to fix college football, you know, or or we're going to ban it. And among the things they got rid of was things like the flying wedge where all the blockers would put their arms together and then just go uh, putting your head into these things. And that's kind of what, what the tush push is, is doing. And, and I just think someone eventually will get hurt. I mean, Jalen hurts is hurt and they say it wasn't doing one of those things, but basically if you've got 1600 pounds of beef on top of you, you know, and then jumping in though, the one thing I would suggest they do right now, is the referee should blow the whistle when forward progress stops. 
and this applies to a lot of stuff now on on short yardage plays. They they're letting guys they're letting guys be stopped, and then then the second wave comes in and pushes them forward. Once the once the runner has been stopped, once his forward progress is stopped, that's when they're supposed to blow the whistle. Yeah, and I'll tell you, and John, we, we actually spoke about this a little bit as well. The group. Mike, you mentioned a very interesting point, and again, I'll move on very quickly. But if you were the touch push right, it's very much a thing on the goal line, or when it's like fourth and inches or yeah. third and one, right? Yeah. And you're talking about forward progress, and when they stop it, I question if they were to just do it on their own twenty on a first and ten, right? <laughs> How far would they get before the refs blew it up? That's a good question, um, and it would be great to do it as a surprise kind of play, <laughs> just to um, see. Because the refs change, the game changes as you get up the field yeah. in a way. So if they were to do it on a first and ten from their own twenty, and the first push didn't go very far, the refs would probably blow the whistle. This second wave wouldn't be allowed coming. It, uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I love when the announcers keep calling it a rugby scrum because it it literally is becoming a mall. Yeah, you know, and and they should they should be well, you know the, they should pass the ball backwards to the guy behind them in the mall, you know, and and keep it going. So maybe they'll discover that. Maybe they'll watch some. Uh, John, do you think it'll go? As in be eradicated, be removed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people are talking about like that. It's unfair. I think it's more likely that defenses will just figure it out a bit better. I think that's probably the more likely of the two scenarios. But yeah, like Mike said, if somebody gets hurt, particularly if like a big name player, like if Jalen Hurts, for example, did get hurt. And it was like very obviously through a situation like this, that's when you're going to start to see some legislation yeah. brought in to, to curb it back yeah. a little bit. But I think for the time being, like you even hear it uh, on the commentary and on Red Zone and things like this, the brotherly shove and stuff, they all get quite excited when it happens. So I think yeah. for now, it's still in the kind of the novelty phase until yeah. until something, something And happens. do we believe that people who say, <clears throat> mainly Philadelphia Eagle fans, uh, it must be said, you know, screw you guys, everyone can do it. Yeah, well, that's what Sirianni said. You know, you want to stop it, stop it on the field. You know, <laughs> or, or do it. We we'll do it. To, they were four for four. Um, I'd like. There's a couple of quarterbacks I'd like to see attempt it. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> Hit my work. You know, here's my. If the Patriots did it, it would have been. I was bad. just thinking that's exactly. It would have been bad. <laughs> I should say we, we didn't mention it when we talked about the Patriots, but in honor of Bill Belichick's 300th regular season win. Yeah, so if you're not watching, Mike is wearing a T-shirt that has a uh, an angry-looking Bill Belichick that says "Let's party." It's actually a hoodie that he's cut the sleeves off. Right, <laughs> in true Belichick fashion. That's right. It's a real fashion item, but yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thursday night football: Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Buffalo Bills. Twenty-nine to ten about the Bucks. The Buffalo Bills are two to seven. Eight point five is the spread. Forty-two point five is the over/under. Johnny B, the yes, Bills sir. bounce back. Um. Yes, I'd say so. A home game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are a hot and cold team. They will be all season. They're just not stable at the moment. They'll have a couple of good games. They've got some good players. Um, But these are the types of games that present a big red flag for that kind of strategy. Um, But at the same time, it's been, a uh, as discussed a little bit so far already on this show, it's been a poor few weeks for Buffalo, and they kind of continue to plummet down the uh, the AFC standings overall at the moment, somehow losing to this Patriots team, which was something that we had had sort of eulogized Bill Belichick's coaching uh, in the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, they're they're back on on the winning curve here. So, but... Can you read too much into that? I think, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. I think that the Buccaneers have a very poor, I think actually both of these teams have very, very poor run defense. And so I don't think a lot of points will be scored on that with that sort of strategy. And when you compare the two quarterbacks, and we're talking about, you know, certain quarterbacks not really performing and doing overthrowing and things like this. I, I don't think this is a, I think this is a stabilizing game here at home for the, for the Buffalo Bills. And they need to, they're four and three on the year now. So they really need to sort of get going and get and warm up again. If they're really to, to challenge in the AFC and what is still obviously a very, very strong uh, AFC. But the real question is the, uh, the over under or the, um, the handicap. This was eight and a, eight and a half points as of Tuesday evening, at least anyway. And uh, the over under is 42, five. I think I'm going with the over 42.5 on this one, but I'd also be relatively like 8.5 is a decent spread on this one as well. But I think the Bills can pull that off too. But of the two ones, I'm going to go with the over. And I think, Karen, just just for your stat earlier about most most betters will be going over, generally speaking. Yeah, I'm going to follow that trend. I'm going to go over 42.5 on this one and say that the the Bills pull it back a little bit and Josh Allen plays well. Yeah, I I think on the short week, the home advantage is is really strong for Buffalo here. and John's absolutely right. Neither of these teams do very well stopping the run, but Tampa can't run the ball. Yeah. Um, period. They, they're probably the worst running team in the in the league. So I think that gives Buffalo another advantage. Uh, and their offense seems to be mostly Baker Mayfield looking downfield and seeing if he can see the top of Mike Evans' head <laughs> and, then, and then throwing the ball in that direction. Um, so I, I kind of agree with you. I'm eight and a half worries me a little bit um in term in terms of the cover. Um, because it's Thursday, and I don't know how the Buffalo offense would be, but but I agree with you. I think I think it's that's possible. The over is quite likely, and Buffalo should win. Okay. Um, one to note is, uh, of course, that the clocks go back on Saturday. It's our, our annual reminder. So the games kick off at five o'clock on uh, Sunday, and then at eight and eight twenty-five, and then that means Sunday night football is kicking off at quarter past twelve. So I mean, really, there's no reason you shouldn't stay up, people. <laughs> Um, of those Scott, games, Scott Hansen will be very angry if you don't. Yeah, he yeah. will. Um, of those games that are kicking off, uh, we don't know the Sky games, but we've looked through the Red Zone games. Jacksonville Jags taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers has caught la eye. It's French for the eye. Thirteen to twenty, but the Jacksonville Jags Pittsburgh Steelers are five to four. Two and a half is the spread. Forty-one point five is the over/under. I'll go to Mike first because Mike, you described the Pittsburgh Steelers to me as an interesting team. They're interesting. They're not that good. They're interesting, but <laughs> but they win. I mean, if if you look at if you look at the game um, the, against the Rams, you know, I think Sean McVay is doing a great job of making you know chicken chicken soup out of the I don't know what you'd say chicken salad. Um, <laughs> but you know, they can't keep it up. The bill the the Steelers basically just pounded them into the ground. Um, the Rams, the Rams had all the advantage, you know, through through most of the game. Um, obviously, the Bills got the got the break of that uh, horrible call on on Pickett's um, on Pickett's sneak. The Rams, you know, probably should have won it, um, given that. But in the fourth quarter, they had fourteen points. They had eleven first downs. They had like one hundred and ninety yards. Their their whole game was one quarter. Um, for Pitt, for Pittsburgh, and that was simply because they wore the Rams down. You know that they beat them up front, basically um, a power team against a finesse team, and, and the power team uh, came out to win it. And it's basically the same story this week. And I like the Jags 
I think the Jags have played really well since those two games in London and then doing a Thursday night game in New Orleans, you know, but this is going to be a physical test for them, you know, and this is classic finesse team against power team. Um, I think the Jags defense is better than the Rams defense and that may pose problems for Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh at home, Getting two and a half points is really hard to avoid, to resist here, you know. Although, I, I, as I said, I think some of these games are undervalued. I think Pittsburgh should probably be getting three, and then I jump all over it. Well, you never know. Maybe you know there'll be a Halloween surprise for you on Sunday, <laughs> Don. If it was three, would you take it? Um, would I take it? Probably. Yeah, I'd be the same as Mike on this one. I probably, well, yeah. I think I'm I'm looking more at the over under on this one again. Um, as Mike said, there's two good defenses on show here, but there are also two teams I think that have uh, perhaps you know kind of flattered to deceive a little bit when they have the ball in their hands because they're they're 21st and 27th respectively in net yards per play so far this season when they're in in the offense, which doesn't really translate to a great deal of points on the board, hypothetically speaking, of course. And uh, yeah, like I said, with two decent defenses and a sort of like Mike said, a bit of a clash of styles. I think this could they could sort of you know cancel each other out for large swathes of the game. So I'm staying away personally from the spread and the handicap on this one. I'm looking at the under 41.5. I think that's probably the more likely of the two scenarios. And I've got a great history of predicting unders the last couple of weeks. So. <laughs> um, so go with that one. Some really good games at five o'clock. We 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 will uh, maybe come back and circle back in a little bit. But just just to highlight a few games uh, that are on at five: Rams, Cowboys, Patriots, Dolphins, uh, even Jets at Giants and Vikings at Packers. All in the early slate of games. Um, so really, it should be an absolutely a, a, a blockbuster red zone. Mike has his hand up, which just odd, one little but... little note: Philadelphia is six and one. They're at Washington. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that the outcome should be a doubt. But yesterday they picked up Kevin Byard in a trade with Tennessee. And it, if you want to know why Philadelphia is six and one, they, how does Philadelphia get the safety they need and get one of the best free safeties in the league still? Um, you know, when lots of teams need help back in the secondary, um, you know, it's the strong getting stronger. And Howie Roseman, maybe general manager of the decade, not just the year. Do you feel then that, uh, side note, that the Eagles are the favorites to win the Super Bowl in your mind? Um, well, I had, I think I had San Francisco winning the NFC, and I still think that's possible. But Philadelphia, they're, they're strong in so many different sectors. You know, you can turn off one part of their game and they can still beat you. Um, and that I think is the, they beat Miami because they beat them up. You know, they penetrated on the inside and, and disrupted the whole, the whole run game from Miami and then, and then got the win. And Miami, Again, jumping around, but Miami is the teams they've beaten are a combined eight wins and 25 losses, and the Patriots fit right into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the later one, the later games we wanted to look at is uh Bengals 49ers. Uh, it is two to one, but Cincinnati Bengals, San Francisco 49ers are two to five, 5.5 spread, 45.5 is the over under. Well, we spoke a lot about what's going on with Joe Burrow. Um, John, this is one of the games that uh, you, you highlighted as well. It's um, it's it's getting to a scary point with the Bengals, isn't it? I mean, they they got a kind of shit or get off the pot. 
<laughs> that's I'd say that that's definitely one way of putting it. Uh, yeah, there isn't that no, isn't that hanging up in the Bengals locker room? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it, this maybe this is the week. Like Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. Let's not forget that. And and Jamar Chase is a is a good receiver. He's a very good receiver, obviously. But you know, I think for for several weeks now, everybody's just been sort of sitting back, waiting, and, and watching red zone and watching Bengals games, and just like, oh, this will be the week that Joe Burrow kicks back into sort of that you know, MVP candidate caliber quarterback that he has been since pretty much since he entered the league a few years ago. But we're still perhaps not there. And like how, you know, you, listeners of the show will recall or and fans of the sport will recall that he's been dealing with a, a calf injury since the preseason. And, uh, you know, you, you just really wonder how much, how effective that is and, you know, how much damage he'd actually done to that. And, and also how that translates to just the throwing mechanics of throwing a football. So that'll be very interesting. But on the other team as well, You've got Brock Purdy, who's looking a little bit like the uh, the honeymoon period is over for him in San Francisco. He's had, you know, in the space of seven days, he's had his first two defeats in regular season as a starter, losing to the Browns and then losing last weekend as well uh, to the Vikings. So, like, he's starting to, well, this is perhaps overstating it slightly, but, you know, he's a seventh-round draft pick, and every once in a while, a seventh-round draft pick is going to look kind of like that. And uh, I think that's kind of what we're seeing here a little bit too. But EP! Absolutely. <laughs> send the daggers in. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's kind of true. Like he's, you saw some of like some of the picks he threw last weekend in the in the defeat to Cleveland or the weekend before, I should say, were um, you know fairly rudimentary. They were fairly obvious ones, straight down the middle. And there was one I can't remember who picked it off last week, but there was one again, just straight down the middle of the field between the hashes, and it was just an easy, easy pick off for the Vikings. So yeah. I think uh, is he? There's still a lot to learn about this guy. You know, he's still only. I'm guessing now, but about 12, 13, 14 games into his NFL career, something like that anyway. And, uh, you know, we're we're dealing with, you have to look at a quarterback. The quarterbacks play differently when their team is winning and when they're losing. If, if Is Brock Purdy a good drop back quarterback? Can the San Francisco 49ers play like that if they have to, if they can't stop doing those check downs and they can stop, they can't just pass for eight to 12 yards every play and hope for the best? We'll see. I mean, those, those days, those answers, those questions will be answered, but I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, I think. And I think, obviously, you know, you can say this about most games, but it's whichever of these two maybe slightly under-fire quarterbacks plays a little bit better will win. And uh, I think probably it'll be... Ugh, it'll be the 49ers will win. I'll say the 49ers will win. But I think the uh, the handicap was five and a half on Tuesday evening. Uh, I presume it still is now on Wednesday mm-hmm. morning. And I think uh, I think Cincinnati can fall within that. So I'd have 49ers to win, but I'd have I'd take Bengals on the with the handicap. Yeah, the interesting thing with Purdy is is with Debo out, you know, Johnson had I think they all had five catches. You know, Kittle had five, Ayuk had five, jo- Juwan Johnson had five. Um, but they didn't really seem to have an offense click and they didn't run the ball very well. Um, if you watch the highlights, you thought McCaffrey had a great game, but they actually had one, he had two big runs and, and he had a great like run after the catch. Um, so the guy they miss, I think, is is Trent Williams. Um, because that that seals one side of their line on most plays, and they don't have to worry. And Purdy was scrambling and well, he did a, a decent job scrambling against Minnesota. But you know, Minnesota's not the the best defense in the world. They have a couple of good pass rushers, yes. But um, I think that's a bit of a worry for them, and I think that's the way Cincinnati is going to come out 
after them is trying to get Purdy out of his rhythm by making him leave the pocket or or move around in the in the pocket. I agree with you. I think the spread here might be the might be the way to go. It could be a, cl- a close game. Um, and you know the Bengals are. It's not it's not that tough a road game because they're coming off a bye, and Burrow looked mobile enough. Two weeks ago, when he played, you know, he, he was getting out of the pocket with no with no problem, and and uh, I would assume he'd be more or less fully healthy at this point, um, having had the the extra weeks rest. Okay, well, I mean, it sounds like the party party's been pooped on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not writing Purdy off at all. I think he does what they need him to do, you know, very well, uh, and he's he's heady. For a guy in that position, a rook, you know, a, a yeah. seventh round rookie. Um, so yeah, I just think they have to have things going. Things have to click for the 49ers, you know, because it, yeah. it is it is such a, a finely tuned kind of offense. And it, just the final thing on Purdy is that like he has he's vastly exceeded expectations. So you know, it's he's due a little. Well, he was Mister Irrevel- Irrevel- Irrelevant. <laughs> he was the the last pick in the in the in the draft. <laughs> And he's probably, I mean, Mike, maybe Mike would know this better than I am, but is he already the most successful Mr. Irrelevant in, in NFL history? I know there's a there's a kicker. Who's the kicker that was Mr. Irrelevant? Oh, oh. Uh, I can't remember oh, who it is. Mike nearly dropped an F bomb. But there was there was a starting NFL kicker who had a good career who was the last pick in the draft. And uh, Mike is struggling to remember who it is. I can't so remember. I don't think we've ever seen remember. that before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's head for the big finish. Uh, two games to look at. Uh, the Chicago Bears against the Chargers and the Raiders uh, taking on the Detroit Lions. And then if you want to circle back to anything else on Red Zone, we can do. Ryan Suckup. Um, is that, by the way, Ryan was that that's, the, kick, that's yeah. the kicker. Yeah, Ryan yeah. Suckup. Oh, I didn't know he was. Yeah. Um, okay, wow, John, fair play to you. Ten to three, <laughs> Chicago Bears. Two to nine about the LA Chargers. Uh, Eight point five spread. Forty six point five is the over under. I mean, Justin Her- Herbert. We've talked about them a lot, but let's let's flip it on its head a little bit, Mike, and um, just talk just a small bit about the Chicago Bears because they've been the butt of some jokes on this show for many years. But dare I say it? There, and we whisper it into the mic, but they're not looking too bad, are they? Well, they had one big game. Let's. Well, that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, and Tyson Bay. I mean, Las Vegas is ver- verging on the awful. Um, we should we should say that right off the bat. And Bajan, um wasn't bad. I mean, you know, and and given that he's a you know rookie from a Division two college, um, played really well. But he didn't do anything spectacular. You know, he just didn't lose the game for them, and he made a couple of plays. When he, when he had to, I think this is going to be a much more difficult task for them on the road in L.A. Although, having said that, they'll probably The road be, on L.A. means nothing. They don't exactly. have any There were more Steelers fans than Rams fans in the, um, you know, in the, in the game. These uh, L.A. teams week. are just, I, I said before about the, this stat that all the latest teams are now just excuses for away fans to have a sunny day out. Yeah. And uh, so there'll be, there'll be the Bears fans there. But I think, I, again... I, the the only way I would be seduced by last week's Bears performance is might be to take them with eight and a, is it eight and a half still? Yeah, spread, so, yeah. which seems right. to be the popular spread. Um, yeah, these, it's eight and a half these yeah. days. Yeah, I might take them with eight and a half against the Chargers. Um, and the forty six five 
actually looks looks tempting to go over, but I might be contrarian and try under in this one because I'm you know I'm not I'm not sure exactly how many points the Bears are, are going to generate. Well, now John, let's um, let's just take it a little bit up a notch with the Bears because I'll tell you what we actually have a few Bears fans that listen to the show, um, and this is the first time we've probably ever been that positive about them. So, mm-hmm. you know, life is good for them right now, isn't it? I mean, they could get out. They could they could do the playoffs. Do you think so? <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't be. 100% Mike doesn't sure think so. <laughs> Mike doesn't think so. <laughs> statistically, <laughs> statistically, they could. Well, statistically, a lot of teams. Is this our hundred and third show? <laughs> yeah, and it's Kieran is letting his, his loyalties to the Chicago Bears finally come through. Uh, no, I'm just saying that. They I thought are... the Cowboys, the Cowboys, were your um, team. <laughs> That they're you know they've two wins now yeah two and, two and five and, oh uh, my. I don't uh, yeah okay like. so we'll answer the let's answer the question um the charges have not been good this season but I don't think the Bears have been particularly good either they've had a couple of now like Mike said they got a good win last weekend against what is you know a pretty terrible Raiders team let's be honest and they had a couple of games earlier in the season where uh, Justin Fields you know, really connected. And he had that one game where, you know, him and him and uh, DJ Moore could do no wrong. They were just connecting every, basically every other play in the game. Um, but at the same time, this is, I think if you just look at it a bit more realistically, they're coming into this game, like Mike said, with Tyson Bajan and playing quarterback. And, you know, he looked decent against Vegas, but that's not going to last you through, through a season. Uh, so like, despite, despite the Chargers failing so far this year, I think that Justin Herbert will have within him to sort of torch what is not a fantastic um, secondary in Chicago. So I think they should win this one quite handily. Now, the eight and a half one, the eight and a half spread in this one isn't really that attractive to me. I would personally stay away from this. But, you know, having said that, I'd probably favor, favor the Chargers to win this one by about 10 points. But I'm not super confident in that. Okay, okay. Uh, the uh, the last game that we're going to concentrate on uh, until we circle back and Mike does his whole, oh, I don't know what's my best bet. Let me go through 10. Uh, <laughs> is uh, the Raiders at the Detroit Lions. Three to one about the Raiders. The Detroit Lions are one to four. 8.5 again is the spread. 45.5 is the over-under. How do we feel about how the Lions kind of, I don't know, like on Sunday, were very unlike what we've seen of them so far. I think you you write this one off uh, if if you're the Lions. I think Baltimore came out, offensive line was intact um, and played really well. And Lamar Jackson's receivers didn't drop the ball, um, which is a, a big plus. I mean, Bateman had two catches in that game, but I saw both of them and and just thought, okay, then this is what they're supposed to be doing. And and like I said, if if they can if they can throw the ball. They want to go in. The, they've always wanted to go in the middle of the field, but now with Zay Flowers, they have a receiver who who can actually make something of that. But he was also throwing to the sidelines with with some accuracy and decision, and they weren't running him on designed runs. They were they were letting they were just using him. Uh, so I, so I thought Baltimore just played a really good game and defensively had had them sussed out. The one thing with Detroit, I think. You can play them in a you can play them in a two deep zone, and take some risks up front because they're generally not going to beat you deep. Um, they tend to beat you on on yards after the catch kind of plays that that you can keep in front of you. And if they can't 
if they can't run the ball and with Montgomery out, that's um, somewhat more of a problem for them than than it should be. Um, you can make them one-dimensional really easily. And when they're one-dimensional and you rush Goff, that's what the problem is. If they score early, um, then life becomes sweet for them. And I think they can score early against Las Vegas. Again, this is another one of those eight and a halfs where, you know, I, I think Detroit at home win this game and win it probably pretty easily. But eight and a half sort of puts me off a bit on this because, um, you know, the, the best way for Vegas to win is not start Brian Hoyer again, ever. Um, and uh, for Max Crosby to have a big game, I, I couldn't. I, I mean, I switched my pick straight up when I saw Hoyer was was starting for Vegas, you know, even though Bajent, Bajent was the um, was the starter for the Bears. I just thought, you know, I'd rather have Aiden, Aiden O'Connell in there. Um, we love Aiden O'Connell. He's he's he's, he's got Irish the blood. Irish blood yeah. in him. He's got the yeah. Irish blood in him, John. Is it, um, on on that topic, the Mike, the um, with the the Raiders scrap heap that you're talking about throwing Brian Hoyer on, would you throw Josh McDaniels on there as well? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. Yeah, I, I said. Yeah, it's interesting. I I think in the long line of Belichick assistants who've had more trouble as head coaches, um, McDaniel now is is having kind of the same problems he had in Denver the first time around when when he tried to be a head coach. Um, and he's got a expatriate general manager to help him there. Uh, but I just get the sense that it's Tom Brady's shadow lingering over him, just as it is Bill O'Brien. You know, the, Brady made these guys more than he they made Brady. Um, and Bill, Bill and Brady made these guys more than they made Brady. And out of out of the context, it's hard to create that same culture when you don't have a quarterback who can make it make it work for you. you know? So you're saying Brian Hoyer isn't as good as Tom Brady. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's really saying. You know, I mean, the, I, the he Raiders was a great are backup. Always, he was yeah, a great, great backup. backup. He was. I mean, yeah. uh, what I was going to say, Mike, is that the, 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 the Raiders are hopping a step away from giving away their quarterback position as a prize in, in Vegas at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no idea who's going to do it. Like Play play the slots. Win the starting quarterback job. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know when Jimmy G comes back, but, you know, um, you always thought that with Jimmy G, they've got they've got a bit of a chance, and he and McDaniels should be on the same page and all that, but, but he's fragile. That's, that's, the problem and you know there are guys like Deshaun Watson is fragile now you know who um Dijan Robinson may be fragile if he missed if he actually did miss most of that game because he had a headache you know um it's like <laughs> sorry sorry coach <laughs> not tonight I've got a headache <laughs> it's like but it's like you know there's some guys Lane Johnson was playing on a sprained ankle for Philadelphia you know, and and Miami fans were all moaning about their all star linemen all being out. You know, and it, it's like you know, it, injuries are part of the game. You know, yeah. you can use you can use them to rationalize defeats, but you can't use them to excuse it. Really, you know, you 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 play with what you got. So I don't know you who play the Raiders, with what you've got. Yeah, I don't know who the Raiders can pick up next. You know, um, well that's it. They should run a comp. I'm telling you, it'd be absolutely flying. Uh, Gemin, I'm going to give you a couple of moments to think about your your best bets. 
uh, of the weekend. And while I'm doing that, a reminder to everyone that there is a promotion on the NFL on Sunday and every Sunday throughout the NFL season, which is uh, bet five pounds on a bet builder, not the NFL game, and you will get a five pounds free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Of course, you can read them by clicking on the link in the description of this podcast. Um, I genuinely don't want to go first this week. Like, <laughs> I'm just okay. okay. Well, who I well, I had the only win last week, so I'll I'll go first. Oh, I'm the only win. Okay, yeah, you yeah. go first, Mike. And I mean, the game that that has me on is Houston at Carolina. Um, the matchup of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Uh, obviously, obviously, why? And you know, the first and second picks in last year, probably the Super Bowl. Uh, both both coming off both teams coming off buys. Carolina hasn't won this year. Houston's three and three, surprisingly enough. Um, Carolina's getting three at home. Uh, I think Houston can better that. Houston is even money on the money line to win the game, um, which also seems to me like a pretty good bet. In fact, they are I, not. Houston are four to six to win the game on the money. Oh, line. they were evens yesterday when I looked at it. So yeah, look. You know, money has what, in, Michael, I don't know how they know. In. Okay, but I also think that the under 43 years is a good bet. So I'll go okay. under under 43, Houston and Carolina. John Janine Valve, go for it. Well, continuing my uh, outstanding record of picking unders, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go for the under 41-5 in the game we discussed earlier on the show, the Jaguars-Steelers game, uh, for the aforementioned reasons. Two... Uh, recently, there were decently good defenses against two offenses who've struggled uh, with the ball in their hands at various points of the season. So I think everything points to a an under forty one five. I would have probably had that over under more like thirty eight five or something like that. So that's why I'm going with this one. Okay, uh, I am going to go for the Miami Dolphins minus nine and a half, taking on Mike's wonderful New England Patriots. But obviously, we all know the history of the Patriots. Uh, going down to Miami. I mean, it's not yeah. as cold or as warm uh, as you know it can be when they go even later in the year. But there is a history of even when the Miami were poor and the Patriots were good. If, yeah, the Patriots not enjoying their trips to Miami. Yeah, Miami. It, it works against them because they're basically and always have been a relatively big, slow team. I mean, their defense is based on power, um, and they can get outrun uh, quite a bit. And yeah, I'm, I, I. I thought about that game quite a bit, but the, the spread does put me off because Bill is pretty good at holding that. You know, they in the first what was the first game's final twenty four? Was my did Miami win 24-21 or something? 24-18, something like that. Definitely less than a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think Miami, but I think you're right. At home in those conditions, Miami can can run past them probably. Yeah. Well, Will Smith didn't name a song about the Patriots, did he? Um, <laughs> and Michael Mann didn't make a TV show called Boston Vice <laughs> <laughs> or Boston Legal. That's another one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. is a show. Well, that is that is a show. <laughs> uh, a reminder, of course, to please do gamble responsibly this weekend and every single weekend. Safer Gambling Week is on the way in November. We'll be giving you plenty of details about that. But do enjoy the NFL and do enjoy it responsibly and that is it from us as we hope oh fingers crossed for a better week than week seven because that was a t- some tough ones to take for those of us <laughs> who like taking the the handicap on the minus and for taking the over we were we were in trouble in fact so much so uh, uh i'm in a last man standing and there's only three people left in it now after oh, really? only three people left i am one of them because i took seattle boom 
But who, um, so who do you have in Atlanta, Tennessee this week in the Arthur Smith Bowl? Uh, I will not be picking that game. I've picked neither the Falcons or the Titans so far. And if we get down to those teams, I've got very far into the season, let me tell you. Uh, my thanks to uh, John Baff and to Mike Carlson for joining me this afternoon. I'm Beth First, Kieran O'Connor. We will be back next Wednesday with another edition of NFL Only Better. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the weekend. And don't forget the clocks. Bye for now. <laughs>